Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. Well, hello, everyone. So I am very, very excited. This is Dr. Paula McDonald. I am teaching the book of Revelation to my wonderful, wonderful Bible study group, Exhale Bible Discovery. And we have been laying the foundation stones to really get into chapter one, which we will do next week. And so tonight is our final foundation stone to be ready to build up and really listen to what this book of Revelation really means. So are you ready to dive in today to lesson three on Revelation? And what I'm calling this is the promises of God. We all need the promises of God. So I wanted to start with just something that I think all of you can relate to, and that's asking you the question of, have you ever had a promise from someone that was broken? And I'm sure every one of you fully understands the sting, the hurt of being on the receiving end of a broken promise. And remember, the word covenant also means a promise. So testament is also a covenant or a promise, which is why we have the Old Testament or promise or covenant and the New Testament promise or covenant. And broken promises have caused untold issues for mankind. Divorce is one of the most hurtful, broken covenants as it affects personal lives, families, children, and of course, God himself. Marriage was designed by him, which is why we take an oath to one another during a marriage ceremony. It is a legal agreement that when broken, also requires another legal agreement. And so I'm not bashing anyone who's had divorce because my life has been plagued with generations of these divorces. And then I can attest to the painful and messy results. My children were affected and so are my grandchildren. We live in a messy, sinful world where contracts are broken every day. But aren't we glad that we serve a loving God who never, ever, breaks his covenants or his promises with us. This truth provides us with the confidence that he is not going to change. He will never lead us astray and he will not let us down. This lesson is extremely important that we understand how vital this truth is as we head into the book of Revelation next week. So I always break my talks down into outlines, and this one is no different. And we've got two main parts. First part is God's provisions, and the second part are God's promises. So let's jump in to God's provisions, which I have in three sections. I have creation, which is, of course, the main part, and then we have the Bible, and then we have Jesus. So those are the three main parts of God's purpose for man. And so many people may wonder, 
well, what was God's purpose when he created the world and mankind? I mean, he's God. Have you ever really thought about that question? What was his plan and purpose for all of this creation? Let's head to the scriptures and let's see what the word has to say. I want to ask you a question and I want you to just imagine, which we really can't do because we're not God, but imagine for just a minute that you're God and that you would have the ability to do anything that you desired. Most likely, you would want to share your talents and your gifts. And creation is God's canvas that he painted with attention to detail of every living creature, every mountain, every grain of sand. Creation is a reflection of Almighty God. His perfect attention to these details, his precision and his balance are unrivaled and we can see it. Isaiah 43, 7 is this. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The action words in this verse are created, formed, made. God is a doer. He is not an idol God. And every stroke of his paintbrush was purposeful and meaningful. And this purpose includes you and I. He created us exactly for a specific purpose. And each of us is to reflect our creator because we were made in his image. So Genesis 127 says, so God created man in his own image. What an honor that out of all the creatures on the earth, we are the ones that get to be the reflected image of God. Have you really ever ruminated on that thought? And so in order to see an image, there has to be light. A mirror reflects light as refracted and deflected from the surface because of what we know as light waves. Light is a complicated principle in physics. And the way light travels and the way it bends and absorbs and illuminates, all are absolutely amazing processes that scientists are still scratching their heads to understand fully. And the beginning of the book, John 1, 1 through 5, reminds us of this light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Aren't those beautiful words? What's really amazing about light is that darkness cannot permeate light. Have you ever thought about that? However, light can permeate and snuff out darkness. So if you're in like the darkest cave or cavern or room, even when there's just a tiny, tiny little light, it can illuminate the entire place. But the opposite cannot happen. So in John 1, 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And we know that this true light is Jesus, God's plan 
from the beginning was to bring his light into the world to reflect himself. And he didn't do this for an ego trip. He did this in order for his love to reflect within us and through us. We're a reflection. And so think about it. When you have a child, you see your own reflection in your children and your love shines for them from you, from within you. You can't help it. And this is exactly what God's light and love does in each of us. Don't you know he looks at us with pride? He loves us so much. He wanted us to be like him and he desires us to be like him and he wants to spend time with us. So how are you reflecting his light in your life? Is his light shining brightly? Has his light grown dim? Or is his light being stifled by a bunch of darkness? Those are pretty important questions. I went through A, which is going through creation. Now we're going to B, talk about the Bible. God's words are recorded in the Bible for us. The words in scripture reflect, again, there's that reflection of who God is, his character, his promises, his plans, his sovereignty. The Bible is God's perfect guidebook for us when we navigate this life. The Bible is God's instruction manual for us. Don't you love it that we have an instruction manual? Every word of the Bible is inspired and directed by God for his purposes. The Bible is also called a living document. Now, anyone who has earnestly studied, you really can wrap your brain around this. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so to be living means it must have specific functions. And when I was a high school biology teacher, so you're going to have to just hang with me for a minute. That was one of the first lessons that I taught was what made something living versus not living. There are eight key characteristics or functions that living things must possess. And that's order, sensitivity, or response to the environment, reproduction, growth, development, regulation, homeostasis, and being able to produce energy. So when we, when viewed together, these characteristics define life. So let's go through each one of them on a spiritual way. Let's, we're going to look at them biologically and then compare that to what, what does God's word say about this? So the first one is order. And there is no doubt that God's word is orderly. It is specific. It is logical. And it has reason. 1 Corinthians 1440. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. The second thing is sensitivity. And this means that it's a reaction in living things. So living things react when forces are put upon them. And likewise, the Bible provides believers God's instruction manual in order for mankind to react to the light and to the darkness. And the more we spend time in his word, the more sensitive we become to good and evil. And we can call it out. And Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit, who is our guide. John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. 
The third thing is to be able to have a response. And God's word requires a response from us. The word does not remain idle when it falls on an open heart of someone who desires to know God and to follow God requires action. You can't just sit on your laurels. John 3, 3 says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, there's an action, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So it, it takes a response from us. The fourth thing is reproduction. And that, of course, is the process of creating new life. And new life comes when we accept Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. The fifth thing is growth. The process of Christian growth is in the form of sanctification as we daily strive to become more and more like Christ. In 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. So growth is required. Number six is regulation. And this means that living organisms have systems that allow them to adapt and to function. Well, God's word provides believers the perfect mechanism for how we are to adapt and function through Christ. So let's look at 1 Peter 2.5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you see that? We are to function for Christ. Number seven, homeostasis, which simply means to balance. Everything in your body is trying to balance all the time. And so, as I've shared in my book, Theosynthesis Live Today, balance of the mind, body, and spirit are essential to walk with God. And the Bible provides us with the perfect formula for how we are to achieve this balance. Philippians 4.13 puts it really plainly. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So when we try to do things on our own, guess what? We can't do it. But when we rely on him, we can do all things. And then the eighth thing is energy processing. Living things must have a source of energy. And believers gain their source of energy directly from God and through his word. Colossians 1.49 says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works in me. Isn't that amazing for this struggling for all that I struggle, his energy that he powerfully works in me. You guys, that is it in a nutshell. We can't do it on our own. It is all through him. All of these things that God laid out in his orderly way about what makes something living absolutely point directly to us as living creatures of the word and of God. So it's so perfect. God's laws are perfect. Everything around creation is so perfect. And so since God is the creator, it stands to reason. He ordered his word in this manner, complete perfection. So the C part of this 
is Jesus himself. And he is and was the ultimate plan and purpose of God's creation. So we see this purpose of God's creation, his word, and now Jesus. And we see this plan unfolding from the very beginning of the Bible all the way to the end in Revelation. And so in this next section, I'm going to go into discussion regarding Jesus as the culmination of God's creation. So your truth bomb for God's purposes is this. God's purposes for mankind began with creation, are told in scripture, and are culminated through Jesus Christ. And your call to action, as you reflect on the purpose of your own life, how is Christ being reflected in your life? Do other people see him in you? Okay, we're going to move to the second part, God's promises. And this one truth, we can rest on this, is that God is a God of promises. And what he says goes, and what is written in his word is reliable. God's word is indisputable because it goes against God himself and his character to lie. God cannot lie. So I wanted to arm you with some good, logical, sound truths as we talk about this. And first of all, God is not a man. And therefore, he doesn't act like a man. He's not going to act like we do. He's not going to fall into the pitfalls that we fall into. He is not a human. He is God. And it's a hard concept for many. Yet, this does not negate this truth just because you can't understand it. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Well, we know that he can't. He can't not make his promises. He cannot lie because he's God. Second thing is, God is trustworthy and consistent. 2 Peter 1.4 says, He has given to us his very great promises. Number three, God's promises are fulfilled. The historicity of the Bible provides us with a reliable source of what God has promised has come true. Joshua 23.14 Not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Number four, God is faithful. We serve a God that we can count on. He is faithful to his people and he is faithful to his promises. Psalm 145, 13 says, The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. And number five, these are the big omni words. God is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. And so those omni words are important to really understand who God is. Omniscient means that he is all-knowing. He has full knowledge of everything and of things that we cannot know because we are limited and he is not. Remember, he's God and we are not. 
omnipresent means he is everywhere and he's in all things. In him, there is no time, no beginning, no ending. And he is not part of evil as he cannot be a part of anything that goes against his character. Evil exists because he created man to exercise free will. And we know what happened with the fall in Genesis. And Adam and Eve fell. And that's when sin entered the world. So omnipotence, the third omni word, means to be all powerful, which means nothing is too great for God. So those are some great truths about God that we need to know and you need to understand as we study this book of Revelation and really as you study any book of the Bible. But as we look to God who does fulfill his promises, it is important to understand who he is. When we understand as best we can in our limited minds, we can then rest in knowing the God that we serve. And this is essential as you grow in your faith. So as I was seeking out the promises of God, I came up with a list of words about what we can expect from him. What are his promises? And they all start with the letter P. First, we are promised proof. The Bible has immense proof of who God is, his word and his promises. He's a God who promises provision. Throughout history in the Bible, there is evidence of how he has and continues to provide for us, his people. He promises power. He is almighty, Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And he gave us the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus after Jesus ascended into heaven. What a beautiful thing. He promises the power of prayer. And through this prayer, we were able to connect right with him personally, anytime we wish. Now that is a promise that I can really grab hold of. He promises us his presence because he is near us at all times. Remember, he's omniscient. He's everywhere. He promises us his plan. He has a plan for all of us and nothing is by chance. He promises us through preparation. And as a child of God, when we submit to him, he prepares us completely as we are obedient to him. He promises us peace. And the only true peace that we can ever strive for in this life is through him. He promises perfection. He is the only true and perfect entity. Nothing can compare to his perfection. And he promises us his purpose. His great purpose is revealed through his word and in Christ. He promises us purity. He offers us his pure and perfect love. He promises us a pardon. Through Christ, we are promised to be in paradise with him and pardoned for our sins. And that leads us to paradise which is the culmination of everything we strive for here on earth. And then he promises us perseverance. He relentlessly pursues us all of our days. And then the last P word is he promises us protection. He is there for us when we need him. We just need to call upon him. 
So I wanted to take a walk through the Bible, just a quick walk through the history and look at the promises or covenants that God made with very specific people throughout the Bible. We talked about this a little bit last week in Genesis 3.15, where Jesus is already promised. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And the offspring from the woman would bring forth the future king of kings in Jesus who will crush Satan. Next, we have the promise that God made to Noah. In Genesis 6 through 9, in the days of Noah, things had gone to hell in a handbasket. It wasn't looking good. And God said, every inclination of thoughts of the human heart were evil all the time. And God resolved to destroy them because the earth was filled with violence because of them. Thankfully, God was also filled with mercy toward Noah and provided humanity with a fresh start. God will not tolerate sin, and eventually, when man rebels, God reaches his limits. With Noah, God instructed him to build the ark to preserve his remnant, and he also vowed to never destroy the entire earth with a flood again. Next, we have the promise or the covenant to Abraham. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, God promises Abraham that he would make him into a great nation and would bless him and make his name great. And also that he would be a blessing to all people. And so through this promise, we can see the lineage of Christ come forth. And then we have the beautiful promise of Moses. In Exodus, what an adventurous book, really. In this wonderful story, we see how God redeemed Israel from Egypt. Moses was given the Ten Commandments, and these laws set the groundwork for a future Redeemer who is Christ. Next, we have the promise of David. The calling of David to kingship set the stage for the future King Jesus to arrive. He promised David in 2 Samuel 7, 16, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever. Before me, your throne will be established forever. Call it the Davidic covenant, the Mosaic covenant. So the next is the promise of Jesus. The entire Bible, as we've said before, promises our Messiah over and over, and it does come to pass. We see Jesus in the New Testament, the new covenant, the new promise. And we are not capable of redeeming ourselves. And in God's great wisdom, he knew the only way was to provide a savior through his son. Only an amazing and loving God would provide his creation with this beautiful gift of salvation. And so our final promise, our covenant that we're going to really be looking at in the book of Revelation is the promise of Jesus's return. And what a wonderful promise this is, that we are promised that Jesus will return to earth. We will see him again, and he will reign on high. And what many people who have stepped into the book of Revelation miss is that this book actually culminates with the glorious promise from God 
that Jesus is returning to us, his people. When we keep our eyes on this, just like Peter did when he got out of that boat to meet Jesus on that water, we too can walk confidently and joyously through the rough waters of life. So no matter how tough things appear to be, believers can absolutely rest and rely on a God who never breaks his promises. This is the hope we have. This is the absolute truth we must rely on. Jesus will return, and the book of Revelation brings this message to us in completion of this beautiful promise. So your truth bomb, we can trust and rely on God's word and his promises. And your call to action is, who needs to hear this truth? And will you be the one to tell them? So to summarize this lesson, we serve a perfect and logical God. We have his word through scripture and the promise of his son who came to save us. If you are a believer, you have nothing to fear. Jesus is coming back for us, his church. Y'all, this is good news, and we must share this message to all. We have now built a very firm foundation with these building blocks of God's truths, his purposes, his promise, and the review of his story. And next week, we will take our first peek into this revelation journey. So may God continue to bless this study, to bless your commitment to him and what he has to reveal to each of us as we continue to go through this study. And so my subject sentence, my one culminating sentence for the whole lesson today is God's purpose and promises culminate in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to leave you with application journaling questions. I really hope that you do these. These help you really dig in. Number one, what broken promises in your life have impacted you the most? Number two, what have you learned from these broken promises? Three, how can broken promises become beautiful testimonies? Four, just like God made promises and covenants with us throughout history, what promises do you need to make with those in your own life? And number five, how have these past few lessons helped you to prepare for this study? And then the last question, number six, what are your fears regarding our next step in beginning with chapter one of Revelation? Will you write these fears out and then simply give them to God? Thank you all for joining me. Let me close this in prayer and we will finish. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this study. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. And thank you that we live in a country where we can openly worship you. And it's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. I'll see you next time. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com. Click on podcast and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode.